This is Uniquely Milwaukee. It's everything you love about community stories, but more in depth. Giving the stories the time and attention they deserve. Changing perspective one episode at a time. I'm your host, Salam Fathayed, and this is Uniquely Milwaukee. Stories that stick with you. I'm afraid of a lot of things. Clowns, the dentist, driving, saying the wrong thing in conversation, never rekindling my relationship with my mom, being in pain. But the one thing that never quite rattled me was death. In fact, for some reason, I was strangely comforted by it and maybe even fascinated by it. I do want to point out that I haven't really faced much personal death in my life. The first person I saw dying was my grandmother. It was the reason why my family went to visit Palestine, to spend a summer with family and say goodbye. Overseas, back in the Middle East, people died in their homes. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. That summer was truly transformative. I was just 10 years old and to set the stage more vividly, my grandfather owned a four-story house. Each floor served as a separate unit for one of his sons. Surrounding the house was a vast stretch of farmland. It marked the first time I found myself surrounded by cousins, trying unique cuisines and speaking in Arabic. And it was a season brimming with childhood happiness. And every night, our tradition was to gather in my grandmother's room, in Tata's room. At that time, the men in my family seemed so intimidating. Yet in that room, my uncles looked so innocent. They sat cross-legged on the floor alongside my mother, aunts, and us children, forming a circle where we would share stories. Some tales were about our day, while others revolved around Tata. Most of them concluded with hearty laughter and silent tears, but some ended with traces of anger, and few felt incomplete. I knew she was sick. Her cancer had taken control, but I I didn't understand what dying meant. Things changed after that summer. I changed. For the month of October, we will be talking about death and trying to understand how to talk about it why we are a death-avoidant community, and what we can learn from death, dying, and grief. And there might just be someone that has a good idea on where to start. My name is Lauren Beverung. I am an associate professor at the Milwaukee School of Engineering, and I am in the Department of Humanities, Social Science, and Communication but I am teaching psychology classes. I'm one of the primary psychology instructors there. One of Lauren's keen interests revolves around examining the impact of negative life events on personal development and family dynamics. She jokes that she ventured into this profession partly to gain deeper insight into her own self. I always say that no one becomes a psychologist unless they want to learn about themselves. And if you ask someone like why they study what they study, it almost always comes back to something they want to better in themselves. For sure. You do learn a lot about yourself in this journey of studying psychology. And I think my students find that too, is, Mm. you know, 
primarily, my, none of my students are psychology majors. They, they, we don't have psych major at MSOE. They're engineers, they're nursing majors, business majors, a smattering of other different majors that we have. And they come into class not really knowing what to expect. Mm. And I find that they always leave with a big smile because they're like, oh, I never thought about this before. And this makes so, so much sense in my life. Yeah. And I have students even come back to me a couple terms later and say, I, I saw this in my real life and it w- made so much sense. And I was so glad I took your class because I wouldn't have known about this otherwise. Yeah. So, I, yes, you learn about yourself in psychology. And I always warn my students, you're going to learn about yourself <laughs> <laughs> whether you like it or not. One of the courses Lauren teaches at MSOE is titled Death, Dying and Grief. And the course exploring the profound subject of death is tied to Lauren's personal journey. Uh, So my mom died when I was 12, and that was horrible. But also, Mm. when I got into college, I realized I hadn't really grieved at all, because being an adolescent, when you experience a major loss like that, there's so much that's happening. There's so much adolescent chaos already that throwing grief into the mix makes it everything complicated. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't really grieved. And so it was about halfway through my undergrad where I actually started college as a music major and then switched to psychology. And once I found psychology, everything kind of shifted. And I was like, I can learn about myself and I can can start to see, am I normal, right? And I always say normal with air quotes because... When I teach psychological disorders, I always talk about there is no abnormal, there is no normal. Everyone, are, we're all just people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I was trying to figure out a lot about myself. And so I started doing more research on families and child development and realized there are really unique impacts of negative mm-hmm. life events on child development. And so that has kind of driven my studies to learn more about bereavement specific uh, events and that's just kind of how I started teaching this class is wanting to share what I know about grief and bereavement and talking about death and dying so that we can support each other because looking back in my adolescent I I didn't have support I didn't have at least I didn't have peer support Mm -hmm. I had family support uh, but people in my general environment didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of time they said nothing, which meant that I said nothing. And so no one ever talked about it. I guess the first question about death is, how do we even talk about death? <laughs> is there a right way? I don't know. I wouldn't say that there's a right way or a wrong way. It just needs to be talked mm-hmm. about. And it really depends on the situation, right? If you're talking about, like we are, right? We can yeah. talk about death. We can use death language. That's something I really emphasize in my class is understanding how we talk about death and how we don't talk about death and the language that we use. And it's very different when we're having a conversation like this where no one is actively grieving. But it is different if you're talking to someone who has recently experienced the death of a loved one where you might want to use softer language, a little bit more caution and follow their lead. Mm-hmm. So it. it but part of it comes down to maybe we don't talk about it as much because we're not 
comfortable because we don't talk about it. It's like a chicken egg thing, right? Like someone has to get the ball rolling Mm -hmm. so that isn't so awkward anymore. Yeah, no, I get that. And I I will say like during this experience, I've interviewed um, one of my best friends who she um, has faced death in two different parts of her life when she was 10 with her father and last year with her mother in her late 20s. And although... Um, we were in the same room. I, I feel like very different speaking to you than her, but I felt incredibly uncomfortable talking about it, even though we were prepared and I've known her and I've, I've, I was there alongside her when she grieved because I think part of me wanted to be comforting but not overbearing and mm-hmm. it just didn't feel like right for some reason. And I'm not, I'm not sure if that was a, like the right response of feeling uncomfortable, but yeah, if, if you could just maybe provide some advice for someone like me that is trying to be there for their friend or their family member or coworker and you have those uncomfortable feelings. Yeah, absolutely. And your description makes complete sense to me. Yeah. Because I've been on both sides of that <laughs> before. And so I think what I try to tell my students when we get to that part of class where we're talking about how do you support someone in grief and bereavement, I really first I, I really focus on what not to say. Mm. So there are some things that you should never say to someone who is grieving. So for example, I know how you feel. Mm. That's not a good thing to say because you don't. <laughs> and that doesn't that's not comforting to to someone. And a lot of the messages that we have been conditioned to say in our society, things like I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, things will be okay. Get you just be strong, you know, get yeah. through it. You know, all of you're these You're so brave. You're so yeah. brave, right? Oh, don't worry, you can always blah 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 or they're in a better place. Mm-hmm. Um we are trained to think that those words are comforting when they're not. Yeah. And they have these underlying messages of your grief bothers me. Mm-hmm. Like you need to get it together. Let's move on. And if you're going to grieve, then do it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're so uncomfortable in this grief space. And so I really, I kind of start saying, here are the things that you should not say. So what should you say? Um, Words don't necessarily matter in terms of like what you should say. It's more about your actions, Mm. showing that you can sit there and listen and be a support. That is huge. Uh, We always talk about how to give give an action. Mm -hmm. You can't say, oh, call me if you need me. A grieving person is not going to reach out and call other people. They don't want to be a burden. It's you know, personally, right? Because they, they know the impact of their grief. They know what society thinks about grief. They're not going to reach out. If they do, thank goodness. And that's mm-hmm. amazing. But most people won't. So stepping in and doing little actions. So, for example, saying like, hey, I'm running to the grocery. What do you need? I'm just going to pick up mm-hmm. some milk and bread and, and then I'll bring it over. And, if, you know, if you want to talk a little bit, we can. And otherwise, I'll just drop it on your porch and mm-hmm. then you'll have it. Right. So because things get hard when you're in the throes of grief, it's hard to remember to eat. It's hard to remember to do your daily tasks. So reminding them to eat, help getting them out. Of, hey, I'm coming over. Let's I need to go for a walk. I'd really like some company. Can you come with me? Right. Making it about, a little bit more about your yeah. what you need so they don't feel like you're trying to, you know, overburden them or, or what they thought. So things like that. Actions are really good. But as far as like comforting things to say, 
recognizing their pain. You're like, mm-hmm. this stinks. This is hard. I, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here to sit with you, whatever you need for however long you need, um, and not trying to fix it for them because it mm-hmm. can't be fixed. Yeah, beautiful advice uh, because I think that is just the most human thing that you could do rather than taking it from an angle like your Hallmark card. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for that, those um, I've insights. Lo- I've looked at some of the grief cards before <laughs> when I've like wanted to pick out yeah. a card for someone where I didn't really know them very well, but I wanted to provide some kind of kind gesture mm-hmm. and... It was hard to pick out a card that I was comfortable with, right. knowing what I know. Some of the cards where I was like, oh, no, Who this wrote is this? terrible. Yeah. Yes, clearly they had no idea about grief yeah. at all. <laughs> In theory, a class centered around the topic of death and coping with grief appears to be quite intriguing. I was eager to experience it firsthand. However, before making our way to MSOE, my coworker, Brett Krasgowski, has already attended this class as a panelist. And here's his thoughts. Literally the first sentence out of my mouth. It might not even the whole first sentence. It was I used I used the term passed away. And literally in the middle of the sentence, Lauren, and you've you know, you've we've already heard from her. She's she's a very nice, polite person. Yes. Very, very nicely said, we don't use those words in this class. It felt like kindergarten again a little <laughs> bit. Like I got chastised for using like a bad word. So then I kind of went back and started the sentence over again, saying using death or de- like that is one of the tenets of the class. Mm. We use death. We use died. We use dying. Like it, it's to it's sort of to speak it is to sort of take away its power. I think that's kind of the point. Yeah, right. So I wanted to know what's been your experience with death. I I almost said I lost my dad. See, I, <laughs> I almost did it again. Um, my dad died uh, when I was a freshman, right toward the end of my freshman year in high mm-hmm. school, and um, uh, for all sorts of reasons, uh, whether I, I, I've gone through this in my head so many times. Um, about why I haven't dealt with it outwardly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't like, it wasn't necessarily an avoidance or anything like that. It wasn't just, it was just was something that I didn't talk about very much. Um, and uh, it, it was, uh, he died of cancer. Um, and it's one that's also, uh, it's uh, hereditary. Mm-hmm. So it's something, so obviously for, for that reason, it's sort of always on my mind. Um, but that's where it stayed. It stayed in my mind. I didn't talk about it. I mean, and, and even now, like, not, I mean, obviously this hap- that happened a long time ago. I'm married now. My wife also, um, her mom died at a, at a young age. Um, and even then, we didn't, you know, we, we would talk about it a little bit, but it's not like we had very in-depth discussions or anything like that. Um, so, you know, that that's one of the reasons why I accepted the invitation to the class because mm-hmm. it seemed like it would be a way to kind of give me that nudge. What's your dad's name and do you have a song that you want to recommend? Yeah. My dad's name was Dennis. He was a very big Fleetwood Mac fan. <laughs> so you could r- really pick anything from Fleetwood Mac. I'm afraid I'm going to butcher the title, but uh, go your own way. I think that would be a perfect
Want to share your thoughts about death and explore the depths of this human experience? Well, you have a chance this Saturday, October 7th at 5.15 p.m. right here at Radio Milwaukee. Join us for a thought-provoking, uniquely Milwaukee dialogue on the subjects of death, loss, and grief. We'll be diving into meaningful conversation after watching a series of short films as part of Milwaukee's Films Cultures and Communities Festival. We hope to see you there. So I headed over to MSOE on a Friday to observe one of the classes. Typically, from my experience, students would skip Friday classes or even arrange their semester where they didn't have a Friday class. But it seemed like it was in full attendance. And throughout the panel discussion, I would look back at the students. And they weren't taking notes. They weren't texting. They weren't blankly staring at the ceiling. In fact, a few of them had their bodies leaned forward and truly taking in the information that was shared. I was a bit jealous and wondered what would it be like if I had this class or if there was even an option for me to take this class as an adult. But right after class, I chatted with one of the panelists, Jill Naveen, who graduated from MSOE in 2018 and actually attended this very class as a student and now works as a registered nurse in the transplant ICU. You mentioned that you took this class and you're a student and now you're back as a panelist. What's been the benefit of having a class like this? So it really was probably my first introduction to like professional um, death and dying. I, I went home from class and and filled out the power of attorney paperwork with my husband as well as what I wanted with post-death, what I wanted done for my funeral and what I wanted done with my body, et cetera. And Coming back is an interesting perspective. I haven't actually been on campus since <laughs> I graduated, but seeing the like intrigue from the kids and that they are interested in asking questions, and especially one of the girls asking about societally why we don't why talk do about things. That we don't talk more societally about palliative care or hospice care, especially because it's so important to all of us and our families as we're all going to walk through this road at some point in our lives. Maybe we are starting to transition, the fact that we've got younger ones asking these questions and pushing for some more general understanding of death and dying is refreshing. You know, it's funny. This is a class that is full on the first day of registration every term. and. Maybe it's because I don't give exams in that <laughs> class. And I've, I've said that to students and they're like, well, that's nice, but that is not why we take this class. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, why do you take this mm-hmm. class? And I get curious about why students do take it. Mm-hmm. And they hear from their friends. Their friends say, you need to take this class because I learned so much. This is life skills. This is practical knowledge. Everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to grieve over the death of a loved one. You need this information. Mm -hmm. And it's not as morbid as it sounds. (laughs) Where do you think that avoidance or fear comes from for having those conversations? So in the past 100, 150 years or so, death has been really removed from our everyday life. 
150 years ago, like I'm thinking like late 1800s, early 1900s, people died at home. 80% of people died at home. Mm-hmm. And they were cared for by their family members, their spouses, their children were involved. Children could do a lot. They could hold their hand, read them a story, bring a washcloth. They were involved and it wasn't something that was hidden from them because death was more common. Mm-hmm. You know, there were and people were dying of more communicable diseases, whereas now we die of more degenerative diseases where it's more of the wearing out of the body versus something that's like, you're either going to recover really quickly or you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was in the home and it was something that was common. We, we now send our sick to the hospital mm-hmm. and we try to make them better. And if they don't get better, then we see that as a failure. Mm-hmm. And now 70% of Americans die in some kind of institutional care, like a hospital or a nursing home or a hospice care facility. Mm-hmm. Whereas still most Americans say that they want to die at home, but it's just right. they don't live in a way that that's possible. And so that, that removal, that slow removal that happened where we don't care for our people at the end of life anymore. We mm-hmm. hire people to do that. We hire funeral directors to wash and dress the body and take care of the funerals and the burials Mm -hmm. and all the different ways you can dispose of a dead body. (laughs) With your own personal life, through these conversations that you're having, like what has changed your own perception of death or grieving? That's an interesting question. It's, It's funny. I don't usually get asked questions about myself, right? right? It's always about the content, which is a lot easier to answer. Yeah. It, it's it's interesting. I had I had a student in that class ask me once, how can you talk about death and dying? I know you also teach this whole class. How can you talk about death and dying all the time? Mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily have a really good answer for that other than I'm not as bothered by it, mm-hmm. I am able to kind of compartmentalize myself and my own grief from the content that I talk about. Mm-hmm. So I have cried in class occasionally, sometimes during those panel discussions mm-hmm. when something really hits home. So I, I do find that this helps me process some of my own grief over time as I'm relating all of this information to students, it's always a good reminder to myself of how to be a supportive (laughs) friend and family member and that it is okay to talk about death and dying and we should talk about death and dying. But I also, from interacting with my students, have become less blunt Mm -hmm. in some ways because they have taught me that you can't just go around saying death, died, die, dying, kill, killed. You know, you can't just start using those words because right. then people are like, you're a crazy person. And yeah. so I have become much more aware of when and how I use my language and try to look at what other people are doing. Have you found easy ways to bring up the conversation of death to children? Talking to children about death and dying is has to be intentional. It cannot be frivolous, particularly in terms of the kinds of words you choose. You cannot use euphemisms mm-hmm. with children. You cannot tell a child that, you know, grandma went to sleep and just didn't wake up. That's mm-hmm. very confusing and can promote a lot of anxiety in young children who are very literal and 
would be afraid to go to sleep because grandma went to sleep and didn't wake up, right? So you have to be very intentional with the words that you choose with children. But also you shouldn't shy away from talking about death and dying with children. So because my mom died, that means that my children are down a grandma, right? Mm -hmm. They have my husband's parents are still alive and my dad is still alive. So they have three grandparents. And so my son, especially, he's eight. He will often ask, oh, well, you know, how did Grandma Debbie die? And so the actual answer is it was quite complicated. She had complications from cervical cancer. I think I don't even honestly know the entire story because Mm -hmm. I can't always get a straight answer from my family. Um, But so I say she was very, very sick, sicker than anyone that you have ever known. And the doctors tried and tried and tried to help her for many years. And there wasn't any more medicine or anything else that the doctors could do. And it was a very sad thing. And so he he can understand that, right? Mm-hmm. That it wasn't just like, oh, she had a cold, right? Mm-hmm. It was, you know, a really extreme kind of sickness. Um, and so, right, using very simple, honest language. Don't go into a lot of graphic details. Kids don't need to know those things. But what scares children is avoidance, mm-hmm. right? Children aren't afraid of information. They're afraid of my parents not telling me something. What is so scary that my parent is not telling me this? So, yeah, I mean, I could relate to that not with death, but with my parents' divorce. Uh That was like the that's a loss. Yeah, and it's just like I I do remember that was a thing that like even now as an adult, like the like the anger is like, well, why was it never talked about, or why could we not till this day even talk about it? So Mm -hmm. I can I can see how those with those big conversations. Just being upfront about it would be a lot helpful. Yeah. And and I yeah. do I do talk about that in my class where it's not just death, mm-hmm. right? There are so many kinds of loss. Anything that you develop an emotional attachment to, when that attachment is severed, there's grief. Mm-hmm. That's what grief is. It's the other side of that emotional connection, the other side of love, right? You can't have grief if you didn't have love. And so when that connection is severed whatever it is right it could be like your favorite pair of jeans is Mm -hmm. like they're all of a sudden they're ripped you can have a little bit of grief over losing your favorite pair of jeans it doesn't matter what it is if you had an emotional connection you're going to have grief and so a lot of those tips and things about talking to someone about the death of their loved one can apply to Mm -hmm. talking to someone about their romantic breakup Mm -hmm. or the divorce of their parents or any other kind of traumatic loss that someone might have Join us every Tuesday throughout the month of October as we delve deeper into the discussion about death. To offer a sneak peek, we'll be exploring topics such as the perspective of a palliative care doctor to gain insights into what death looks like from their vantage point. We'll also be exploring how individuals in various professions process the concept of death within the context of their careers and hear firsthand from a woman who has endured the profound loss of both her parents at different stages of her life. And if you would like to participate and be part of this dialogue, Uniquely Milwaukee is hosting an event for the 2023 Cultures and Communities Festival titled Finding Light in Death, a Uniquely Milwaukee Dialogue, right here at Radio Milwaukee, October 7th at 5.15. We'll be watching short films and having a discussion and hopefully an opportunity to hear from you. 
Hi, I'm Kim Shine, Production Manager at Radio Milwaukee. Thank you to our host, Salam Fatayer, Tariq Moody, our Executive Producer, and Brett Kraskowski, who is our Web Editor. Thank you to our marketing team led by Sarah Lahr, our graphics and wonderful logo made by Aaron Bagata. Mallory Wallace is our Community Engagement and Membership Manager, and Dan Reiner and Darren Brewer handle our social media. A big thank you to City Loving members for making Uniquely Milwaukee possible. Tune in next Tuesday for our next episode.